Anything combat with Johnny K. But it's anything combat though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat Show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by UFC surging contender. Just came off an impressive win over Valdez. Please welcome the lightweight division, Evan Elder. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Glad we finally got uh, our schedules to link up and got on here. Correct. My first question for you is, how did you get the nickname The Phenom? Who gave that to you? Oh, man, that's a little bit of a story. So um, whenever I was uh, 19, I was looking to finally move away from home and go out to California to uh, get some you know, different training and stuff like that. So um, I was trying to save up some money at the time, and somebody gave me the idea of like you know selling some shirts as like a fundraiser type deal. And uh, so I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that sounds like a great idea. But I was like, I don't know what to put on it. And they were like, well, put your fight nickname or something. And I was like, well, I don't really have one. And they're like, well, what does everybody call you? And I started thinking, and I was like, Hmm. I don't really know what everybody calls me, but I, uh, my dad actually told me, he was like, well, uh, the local MMA reporting, uh, the local MMA reporters, um, whenever I was 15 years old, I had my first kickboxing match, fought this kid that was, uh, uh, like 23. He was supposed to be pretty good or whatever. <clears throat> I ended up uh TKO on him in the second round. So, uh, I was 15, beat this 23 year old and, when the uh, the reporters were talking about it, they said 15-year-old phenom, Evan Elder, you know, uh, and then every time I would fight, when they would write about me, they would be like, they always called me the phenom. They're like, the phenom, Evan Elder, uh, you know, fight, fought again. And uh, so my dad was like, that, you know, knuckle junkies, which was the MMA reporters, they always call you the phenom. You should just use that. That's pretty cool. And I was like, Evan, the phenom, Elder, that sounds pretty good. So uh, slapped that on my shirt, raised a bunch of money and got me out to California. So I've, I've uh, stuck, with, stuck with it ever since then. That's a great story. I want to ask you about your previous fight with uh, with Valdez, what just uh, most recently happened. When I was watching that fight, of course, I was cheering for you, but that fight was an absolute banger. What a war. That is one of the most underrated fights of 2023. <laughs> Personally, I loved it. I loved it. What was going through your head during that fight? Can you please run us through that? Did you did you feel like it was chaos in there or do you feel like you slowed it down in there? Can you like break that down for us? Well, first off, thank you, man. I really appreciate it, man. I, that was a, it was a fun fight. It was a really good one. Uh, dude, Valdez is tough as nails, man. I really felt like, um, you know, actually, uh, I did not stick to the game plan. You know, it's so funny. I th- you know, um, I'm sure we'll probably talk about the uh, Sean Strickland, Israel Adesanya fight. Uh, and, you know, I just seen him say, yeah, you know, the game plan was uh, to wrestle him, but uh, he said something about uh, when you're slightly autistic, you just do what you want, something like that. But but I totally had intentions of uh, trying to wrestle Valdez. I was like, I'm just going to strike with him enough to set up the takedowns because I thought for sure I'd have a clear advantage on the ground. And uh, But at the beginning, every round, I had so much success on the feet that I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep it standing. I, I thought for sure I was going to finish him on the feet. So... Uh, uh, yeah, man, honestly, going into the fight, though, um, there was quite a bit of nerves in the sense of uh, um, I knew we both probably felt like our, our back was up against the wall. We had uh, uh, we were both on a two-fight losing streak, even though I feel like we both had two pretty good performances in the previous two fights. Uh, no matter what, <clears throat> on paper, we lost. That's all that matters. So, um, so anyways, we were both in a similar situation and uh, pretty high pressure, and um, I uh, was able to calm my nerves a lot, you know, as – it's just just another fight, and was able to go in there and uh, be pretty cool and collected. And um, I knew that that's what was going to give me the victory. I was like, no matter what happens in the fight, no matter how crazy things get, stay calm, stay composed, and just pick this dude apart. You know, don't let the don't let your emotions get high. Um, you know, I'm kind of uh, uh, I uh, I'm a pretty passionate, emotional person, so I uh, wear my heart on my sleeve a lot of times. And uh, I gotta get I got I gotta get used to uh, not doing that in the fight. You know, I like I like to be amped up and crazy. And um, I'm uh, doing a lot better, though, being uh, keeping my composure and um, uh, remaining in control of all those emotions and everything. So, <clears throat> excuse me, my uh, voice is still a little bit hoarse. I was sick a couple of days ago, trashed my trashed my voice for some reason. But um, yeah, in the fight, you know, everything felt like it was going good. Like I said, I know I had, I had kind of uh, abandoned the wrestling game plan, but uh, on the feet, I felt like I was had a clear path to victory. And I thought for sure. If I uh, just continue landing the shots that I was, that I was going to put him away. But you know, hats off to him. I did not do that, and uh, he uh, he was tough as nails, man. I do have to say, this is an interesting MMA topic. 
why is it that every single time a Mexican stops boxing and goes to MMA, their chin and their endurance and their cardio and heart and health, like everything to do with not quitting, these guys just don't quit and you can't knock them out. Why is that trend apparent? Dude, no, I, I completely agree. But you know what it is, man? I, I really think what it is is uh, it's just a mindset. I think I really think that everything is is mental. Everything's a mindset, and uh, these guys probably just it's it's probably something they're born around. You know, it's just like that they have this unbelievable, relentless work ethic. You know that they refuse to uh, have anything taken from them, and, and they were probably born and raised to work hard for everything that they ever get. And um, uh, I really think that plays a lot into your um, overall resilience and your ability to persevere through adversity and, and overcome hard times. So I, I think that directly translates to in the fight, you know, they probably have a hell of a chin because they refuse in their mind in the fight. They're like, I refuse. I will not let you take anything from me. And they will they will work hard for everything that, that, that they want. So um, I think it's probably more of a mental thing. It's not like uh, Mexicans have like a, a different bone structure or something in their jaw. You know, it's not like they have a, uh, a three size larger heart like the Grinch or something. You know, it's uh, it, I think it's just all it's all a mindset. You know, every, everything's then, a mindset. To validate what you were saying, I spoke to TJ Brown recently, and he was hanging out with Brandon Moreno, and Brandon was doing seven sessions of uh, training a day. Right, like I don't understand what that means exactly. Right, but yeah. to validate what you're saying about just the work ethic and how hard are that culture of people are working, six to seven sessions a day. Do you think that's like a little bit absurd, or do you think that's what it takes to be a champion? Um, probably both. I think it's probably a little bit absurd. It's probably probably a little bit too much. But I think that uh, there's no way in the world to be a champion without being out of your mind. You know, like you got to be. You have to have this unbelievable. Um, crazy. You have to be, I, I really think you have to be absolutely insane to be the best in the world, man. I mean, you have to want, you have to have such a, a desire to win and to succeed. And you have to have such a drive and obsession that you would be obscene, uh, insane or, or crazy by any normal terms, um, any normal person's terms, you know? So uh, I think it's probably both. It's probably absolutely crazy and it's probably exactly what you need to be a champion, you know? So, you know, with that being said, um, I don't think that you need six or seven sessions of just like killing yourself every single day. Cause ultimately, uh, sometimes it, more is less, you know, if you're freaking destroying your body, you're not allowing your, your body to, to recover and to heal. Um, and you're just continually breaking it down. It's only got so long of that. But I would imagine if he, if uh, and you know what's funny if it's Brandon Moreno saying that he's doing six or seven sessions a day, I believe him. Uh, I, I really do, you know, and that's why he is, you know, or was a world champion. Um, yeah, I think he still is. You know, he's like, it, dude, a championship is is a mindset, you know, and just like everything else. <clears throat> and uh, that dude's got it. That dude is the dude. He, I, I don't, I've never even met Brandon Moreno, and I'm such a big fan of him, though, dude. He's just got the best mindset. And uh, just such a dope dude. You can tell. Like, he's very genuine. And, uh, but I would imagine if he's doing six or seven sessions a day, he's probably doing like um, mostly all fine tuning technique, uh, skills training, just learning. Like, he's not, he's not going balls to the wall. He's not running 14 miles. He's not freaking slamming weights around. He's not going live. He's probably just fine tuning, uh, drilling things, learning. Um, you know, he's putting in, you know, Henry Ford has a quote that says, uh, the hardest work of all is thinking. And that's why so few people do it. And, uh, I really think that that's probably where he's excelling is he's probably thinking his way through six or seven sessions a day. It's not, it's not that he's working crazy physically hard, he, but he's, he's constantly testing his mind. He's constantly, um, upgrading and, and uh, adding information, you know. What was interesting is that they actually didn't give Brandon the quadrilogy with Pantoja, even though he's had the belt for a very long time. They've gone with a different marketing play and they've picked Brandon Roy Val to fight Pantoja. How do you feel about that matchup? And do you think they should have gone with Moreno? Because personally, I would have liked to see that fight. I personally think they for sure should have went with Moreno for one, because he's uh long reigning champ you know between him and uh figueredo you know passing back and forth a couple times whatever but 
Um, I mean, it's basically been Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo, you know, as the champions, the whole, you know, for, they've been holding down the, the flyweight division. So, um, I think, uh, almost off of that alone, you know, most of the time, I feel like if you have a long reigning champion, um, they're pretty qualified for an immediate rematch, unless it's just an absolute blowout for some reason. And, uh, that was obviously not that, you know, it was a very close, was it, was it unanimous or was it split? Yeah, he he beat he beat Moreno via split decision. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like especially with it being a split decision, you know, um, it, as if like the even if it was unanimous, you know, it was a close enough fight regardless. That I think that he would probably be on terms for an immediate rematch. Um, so both with him being long reigning champ and and uh, uh, um, a split decision, you know, I think immediate you know rematch because dude, that fight was bananas, too, dude. It was such a good fight. Just me as a fan, I would love to see them fight again. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure why they would want to put Roy Val in there. Maybe it just just to have somebody other than Moreno. Um, just because I feel like Moreno and Figure uh, Figueredo have been like the two at the top of the food chain uh, for so long in that division. Maybe they're trying to get other guys. You know, trying to really build up some names in the flyweight division, which makes a lot of sense. So um, I could see that. That makes sense. And um, uh, and and we know Moreno will be back in there. You know he's he'll fight. You know if 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 Pantoja beats Roy uh, Roy Val, he, you know Moreno is going to be next in line. And the same thing, vice versa. I think if if Roy Val wins, they'll probably have Moreno fight him. I would imagine. So um, my next question for you is about uh, your fight with Nazim. So can you run us through what happened during this fight? And also, what do you think about Nazim's skill level? I think he's proceeded to beat Terence McKinney, which is a very decent win. So what do you think his skill level, what do you think his um, ceiling is in the lightweight division right now? Do you see him getting ranked in the future? Dude, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Nazim. You know what's really funny is uh, um, uh, I loved our fight. You know, I think, we had a, I think we had a great fight. It was fun, uh, fan-friendly, you know, a lot of action. He was just in my face the whole time. So uh, we were both foot on the gas the whole time, a lot of good exchanges back and forth. Um, I love the fight for myself just because it was uh, personally a, a great learning lesson for me. I didn't fight great, um, and uh, but I took away a lot, and I, I learned a ton from that fight. And uh, I have so much respect uh, for Nazim. And truthfully, to answer your question, I I have I, I think the sky's the limit for that dude, man. I really do. I, I'm very thoroughly impressed, not just as uh, him as a fighter, but you know I've stayed in in pretty close contact with Nazim, and you know we've talked quite a bit, whatever. And uh, just a really stand-up good dude. And um, I think that who you are off the mat directly applies to who you are on the mats as well. And, uh, you know, with him being a really stand-up guy and, and, and just a, a high-level individual in general, um, I think that uh, I, I really see him having a bright future. And uh, I definitely see him getting ranked. And, uh, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt if he's at the top of the division. Excuse me, Evan. I don't re recall is his team with aljo and Marab by any chance yes yep um i i believe he's up with uh ray longo and uh uh matt sarah at uh sarah longo yeah so he's training with with uh Marab and um uh aljo so you know he's clearly got a, a an amazing camp around them, amazing people surrounding them. So I saw that you had traveled a whole bunch of places, different countries. What countries have you gone to? What was your favorite travel destination? Dude, you know, what's funny is I've actually only gone to one other country. Uh, it was to Singapore. Yeah, that was, uh, so the couple videos you probably saw me posting was, uh, just from Singapore. Um, dude, it was, it was amazing. I went over there to corner my buddy, Garrett Arfield. He just fought on, uh, the UFC Singapore card. And, uh, uh, freaking amazing, dude. The, the, the whole trip was amazing. We were over there for like 10 days, got to stay in Singapore. Uh, we traveled around the city a bunch, got to explore a ton, um, all kinds of cool pictures and videos for, for memories. And, 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 uh, uh, we had a, a, an amazing time, man. Garrett's such a good dude. Uh, love that guy. I'm so happy for him and proud of him, man. Dude freaking had a, uh, handled everything like a champ and, um, went out, had a flawless victory, uh, first round KO and just it just looked perfect, man. So um, the, the whole entire experience was sick. So I've actually only gotten to go to uh, to Asia to or to Singapore, you know. Um, and uh, but dude, that is that is lit a fire in me to want to travel a lot. I cannot wait to get back out of the country, man. 
I actually want to uh, get a one-way ticket to Singapore, go over there and train a little bit, get to explore a little bit more, and then uh, fly to Thailand because I think it's only about an hour and a half flight away. Um, do a bunch of training over there. I want to go to Japan because it's not too far. I think a couple hours from from Thailand and uh, Singapore. So uh, I would love to maybe after this next fight, um, just get a one way ticket and just go over there for. Uh, that would be crazy for your training. Thailand, Singapore, pretty close to me, dude. I'm in Australia where the previous UFC card was. So when you when you coming down to Melbourne so we can Heck do yeah. an in person interview, bro? I would love that, man. Um, I'd love to come to uh, Australia. You know what's really funny is. Uh, Back in school, whatever we'd have to do, like um, uh, in like social studies stuff like that, do projects with like uh, studying a for, you know another country and stuff like that. I always was really intrigued with Sydney, Australia. I don't know why, um, it, 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 dude. You know what? You know what's so funny is as I say that, it came to my mind uh, the movie Finding Nemo. Exactly. Um, uh, what's Dory? What's Dory say? Forty two Wallaby Way, Sydney, uh, something like that. But uh, that's probably. <laughs> I don't know, dude. You know how Sean Strickland just said something about being autistic? I uh, I might be right, right there with him. I don't know. Yeah, no, uh, that's that's hilarious. I would love to have you here in Australia in the studio. Um, let's talk about that most recent Sydney card. I'm so excited to talk about Sean and Izzy because that fight, I was so pumped up for that fight. I wanted to see Izzy lose. Right? I wanted to see Izzy lose because, to be honest, um, I'm very transparent on the show here. I don't really like him, right? I originally liked him on his come up. I'll tell you. Okay. I originally liked him on his come up. Um, his kickboxing, like that period of his life, from kickboxing to when he started in MMA and he was joining the UFC and his first six, seven fights in the UFC, I really liked his character. Like it was like, oh, you know, I'm I'm edgy and and you know I'm a kickboxer and all these people didn't know his skill level. So they used to ran, run at him. And what would happen was that they would get counted and knocked out immediately. This happened to Derek Brunson, this happened to Robert Whitaker, there's a couple other people during this time. But what I really dislike is the fact that first of all I've got a I got a problem with the guy I know. I really do, right? Because I I I I'm under the impression that you can only get gyno, right? I don't buy the whole marijuana smoking and it's just caused it. I truly believe that he probably took some PDs, but even if every everybody in the UFC, there's so many people that have done that. So it's like, who cares? It's just the fact that he's had he hypes up every single performance and then he he takes no accountability or responsibility. He, he does a boring um, fight with Marvin Vittori in the sequel, with Jared Cannonier, with Robert in the sequel. And every single time he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put on a show. I'm going to finish this dude. Right. And then he proceeds to say, oh, you know, like I had an off night or something boring experience, a boring, uh, you know, it was a boring fight, but I didn't mean for it to be that way. A fighter that really claimed it was Movzai Vloev. Dude, this guy's Russian, doesn't even know English. He didn't get finished in his fight. Movzai was like, dude, I wanted to get a finish, but, you know, next time. Sorry, everybody. Right. That's all you have to do. You have to validate the fans and then, and then, talk about the fact that if you made a mistake or if you did shit then you then you accept that Izzy has never done that the second he lost to Pereira it was excuses oh you know I could have kept going second he lost to Blahovitz it was oh you know I felt off that night or like dude dude you see where I'm saying like I just dislike the fact that as a champion he hasn't like really claimed this was the first time where he lifted Sean's hand up and he was like yeah Sean, um, you know, did well. But even in the press conference, he said that, yeah, Sean was the better man on the night. Do you, do you see Do you see the word choice there? Do you see the wording? Not the better man. He's the better man on the night, meaning that Israel's like, yeah, I'm still better than him, but I, but I, you know, I had a shitty night. To keep on going on this, because I don't like to spread negativity, there is the dog thing. There is the Chinese thing. There is the um, fact that he alluded to the fact that he might have cancer and then pretended like he didn't have it. Um, it he, you know, he pretended like he did have it, then he didn't. Um, there's a whole bunch of shit that I just dislike about him that he could totally have just switched the other way and I would have been a massive fan of his. 
So yeah, how do you feel about that? And do you think I'm overreaching? No, uh, I think you got a good memory and, and, you know, you recalled a lot. And uh, so it might seem like you're overreaching, but I get what you're saying. Like, I, I, I totally understand. And uh, um, yeah, I think, I think it sounds like you uh, mostly have a, a problem with his, um, uh, um, him not taking ownership over his mistakes, you know, whenever he has a flawed performance or anything like that. <clears throat> and uh, just to play devil's advocate to what you're saying is uh, I would say that, uh, you know, that might, even though I, I agree with you, I totally agree with you in the sense of like, we should all, that's something I, I try to hold myself to all the time. Like, um, is, uh, to drop the ego all the time. I'm like, dude, if you fucking sucked, bro, that's on you. Like, it doesn't matter what the circumstances, even if it was an off night, that off night is on you, bro. Like that's, that's your responsibility. So, um, uh, taking extreme ownership, everything's on you, no matter what, always. And, uh, so, you know, so I get what you're saying at that point, but I will say it might be something that makes him so great is that he truly believes like it, like we were talking about earlier, the mindset thing of like, he's like brainwashed himself just oh, similar to like Conor McGregor, you know, of like, like, dude, I'm the best. I'm the best ever. And, uh, it, I think it probably plays a lot into their success in the cage though, because it kind of takes that mindset. Dude, when that cage door closes, you got to know 100%, bro, I'm, I'm the best. Like I'm no matter what I'm winning this fight, you know? And, uh, even if it's, even if it's a lie, sometimes, you know, you gotta, you gotta freaking, because we all get nerves. We all have self doubt. We all have this, uh, negativity, these, these random thoughts that, that loom in our head of, 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 uh, um, previous disappointments or, or future ones that are to come. And, uh, uh, you got to combat that stuff with, with, um, positive self-talk, you know, and maybe that's what he's done. Maybe, maybe that's what he's doing. You know, like I said, I'm just playing devil's advocate, um, just to, uh, just to, um, invoke some thought, you know, maybe not, not even just for you, but for viewers or whatever. Um, and for myself, you know, I'm, I'm having this conversation with myself right now. Um, you know, trying to think through this situation, but, but anyways, I, I do like Izzy. I think he's pretty dope. Um, uh, I totally agree with you. I, I would much, I much rather, or much prefer somebody that, that owns up to their mistakes. Um, I just, I just like that, you know, cause I think fighting is much bigger than just being in the cage. You know, fighting is, uh, we're getting, we're, we're preparing, preparing ourselves for life. You know, life is a fight for all of us. And, um, if you don't own up to your mistakes and your problems, um, uh, and your weaknesses, uh, in the cage, you're probably not going to do that outside the cage either. You know, and that's a, that's a, that's not, that's not a good thing to do. So, um, I would like to, I would like to, um, uh, I, you know, I agree with you in that sense. So, um, what was it? What, what, what we'll was uh, we we'll get to the easy Strickland thing in a bit, but I did want to make reference to the fact that I don't like the media bias with the UFC purporting that the next up-and-comer that's the champion will, um, you know, surpass the GOAT of their division. Um, two examples, Volkanovski, Adesanya. If Anderson Silva has more belts than Izzy, right, it's very simple. The sport has not changed in the last 40, 50 years. Skill levels change, but it's all, you know, at that moment who has those skills so it doesn't actually matter. If Anderson Silva has more belts than Izzy and went up to light heavyweight multiple times, knocked out the majority of everyone he fought, everyone was terrified to fight Anderson Silva, then you've got the GOAT, right? You look at Izzy, goes up to light heavyweight, loses, um, fights at middleweight, loses during his prime, which Anderson never did, right? And even if Izzy lost, they then came back and had a title reign, you, you know what I'm saying? He lost again, right? Silva finished all of his opponents. Israel took them all to decisions. I I don't like the fact that they have a recency bias to whoever has the whoever has the social media presence, and they'll push that person instead of actually mm. showing respect to the greatest fighter to ever fight in that division, which was actually Anderson Silva. Yeah, dude, I, I, I agree with you completely um, in the sense of uh, I, I do dislike greatly um, that some people get looked over, st uh, stepped on a little bit just because somebody else has a bigger following or social media presence, like you're saying. Um, 
And truthfully, I think it is, uh, and I think you kind of alluded to this, it's kind of unfair to compare people of different time periods, you know, because uh, the sport evolves and, and uh, skill levels advance. Um, and it's because of those that come before us, you know, uh, that's just a natural evolution of life in general is like those that are to follow you should always surpass you ideally like that's that's what we're doing you know those that come before are just laying um the foundation and giving us a blueprint for anything in life not even just fighting but uh i really feel like just a, a, you know as a species is you know mankind uh is like that's what we do is like we we progress we we owe it to ourselves and the world to be the best that we can be in order to help the people that come after us to be better than what we are you know, and I think that 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 reigns true here in fighting too. You know, it's like Israel Adesanya might not have ever even been as good as he is now if it wasn't because of Anderson Silva. You know, and and Izzy's even said, I believe, um, if I'm recalling this correctly, that Anderson Silva was a huge inspiration of his. You know, and and probably drove him to be the best version that he could of himself that he could be. So you know, I don't really, truthfully, I don't even like getting caught up in the in the idea of like the goat. Um, it's definitely a cool conversation because you know it, it is to be debated. And uh, um, but it's like, man, it's so hard to even say. And I remember, I remember hearing, uh, you know, that's actually something I've struggled with myself is because ever whenever I started out, that's what I've always told myself. I was like, I want to be the best ever. You know, like I'm going to be the the greatest of all time. And uh, I remember hearing, in my opinion, the, one of the greatest of all time, George St. Pierre, um, hearing him talk about how the greatest is a lie. You know, it's like, it's like, it's about who's, who's the best that night, you know, like, uh, um, uh, for example, this was just one thing, this is one that just came to the top of my mind was uh, Kamal Usman and Leon Edwards, you know, of like their first fight. Um, it seemed like Kamaru was well on his way to just dominating that fight, right? You know, and then a minute left in the fight, he gets head kick KO'd. And uh, now Leon is the champion. He's the best. He's greater than than Kamaru, you know. But it didn't really seem like it if you watched the whole fight. You're like, man, Kamaru was proving he was the better fighter, and Leon caught him. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what GSP was talking about when he was saying about, you know, like the greatest is a lie. There really is no such thing as the greatest, you know. And uh, same thing going back to the Israel Adesanya and the uh, um, Anderson Silva conversation is like, man, who's to say who's better than who? And, uh, you know, because it, it's really just all talk, you know, it's just all for debate. And to me, I really like what you said um, about the respect thing. That's what I think it all comes down to is like, man, why don't we just give, how about we just give everybody the respect of, of, uh, you know, of, of being, being great in their own rights. And maybe we'll never know or understand who the greatest is other than John Jones. Uh, <laughs> because uh, obviously, dude, I mean, that, but I mean, he's, he, John Jones is hard to deny at this point, you know? Um, but, uh, but anyways, yeah, you know, I just, I, I, uh, I don't even really get too caught up in like, who's the greatest because it's, it's, uh, there's no definite answer. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, there are the greats for sure. They're undeniably the greats, but who's the greatest, you know, even of just like specific weight classes and divisions, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's always just going to be up for debate and, uh, no real conclusive hard, um, uh, conclusions, I guess, you know, so I've it is what it is. So many underdogs when Moreno fought, um, Davidson in the fourth fight picked him, picked Pereira every single time he was an underdog. I picked Leon every single time he was an underdog. I was going to pick Drickus versus Israel. I was going to pick Drickus, right? Because from all the tape that I've watched, I think I've found something that people don't actually understand about Drickus's game. And um, I, when when that fight got cancelled, I was upset because I was like, okay, well, I was gonna have I was gonna have a really good pick, and it was gonna beat Israel. So then when Sean got picked, I rewatched all of Sean's fights, and I saw something. I saw okay, he doesn't check leg kicks and he gets his legs beat up every single like fight i go okay well israel's a good leg kicker offensively there you have it there's the fight done then strickland watches blahovich tape trains with Pereira multiple times and all of a sudden he's the best leg checker in the division what the fuck is this sport so you make your you make your predictions based on the knowledge that you have at that certain point and then the fight happens and my friends text me, John, you were wrong, you were wrong. No, I wasn't wrong. What was the case is that you, you don't have the right amount of information. And now that we have that information, now in the next match, 
we have to be like, okay, well, Sean can check really well. He marches people down really well. He's good distance management. Visually, he's very accurate and aware of his defense. Anything coming at him, he knows if it's the lead hand, like it, it gets to a whole fucking another level. Like now that that fight's yeah. taken place, you're like, okay, well, the lead hand yeah. doesn't work on Sean. He'll parry every single one because Israel didn't land a single lead hand shot. You need to hit him with the backhand. Okay. Um, leg kicks don't work. Um, if you push him up against the fence, Sean's got the advantage. So, so now that now that Sean has the belt, how many defenses do you think he gets? Like, we can just look into the f- next three matches that he has, and the next three matches will probably be Drikus, maybe a rematch with Izzy, Chamayev or Costa, and maybe a rematch with Jared or Robert Whitaker. And out of these matches. I do not see a situation where somebody will be able to beat him except Drickus. And I can tell you why, but uh, I want your opinions on that because I don't think Chemayev can beat him. Hmm. Uh, very interesting. Um, dude, I'll be honest with you, dude. I, uh, I'm, I'm so honestly, I'm so happy for Sean. Um, and uh, this goes for everybody, including myself, that nobody gave him a chance, in my opinion. Nobody gave him a chance. I didn't, at least. I was like, man, I really like Sean, but uh, I just don't see him being able to, to find a way to beat Izzy. Sorry, you know? to, sorry to interrupt. And, uh, sorry to interrupt. It I thought that on the... Sent, uh, on the on the whatever it was website, uh, 88% on Israel, 12% on Sean. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so like, I mean, that overwhelming majority of people thought that he was going to lose, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> um, and, and you know, like I said, I, I was, I was on that, I was on that train of thinking, you know, as well. So, um, he's, anyways, he's just a, that's just an amazing example of to 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 the idea or the fact of like. Fuck what anybody ever says ever about anything. You cannot listen to the critics. You can't listen to the haters. You have to believe in yourself and and get the job done, you know? But it's just so just like don't who cares what anybody says ever. And that's such an amazing example of that of like everybody wrote him off. Um and like I said, including me. You know, it's not like I'm like pointing fingers at anybody. I'm like, dude, I myself you know, it was like, man, I don't think he has a chance to win this fight. And not only did he win the fight, he dominated in in the striking aspect. I thought, if anything, I was like, man, maybe he can somehow uh, wade his way in. I, I that this is what I thought was going to be the problem was I didn't find I didn't think he was going to have success with this Philly shell style, just walking Adesanya down because I thought Adesanya was just going to pick him apart with straight punches, and uh, uh, he just couldn't find a home for any of them. And um, I was thinking that maybe, if anything, if Sean can move his head and get away from those straight punches and get in and get a leg and make it a, a grappling match, maybe he can take him down and submit him or something. And But I thought that was maybe his only chance. And with uh, Strickland not being known for his wrestling, uh, I didn't think that he was going to be able to cover the distance and take him down um, because Izzy's fought other superior grapplers than, than Strickland before and had success. And, um, so I was just like, man, I really see no way for Sean to win this fight. And he fucking dominated, like dominated. I, I did not think it was close whatsoever. And I even probably gave him a 50, 45. I was just, I really, you know, I think all three judges scored at 49, 46, but I could see a scenario where they give him, because I think they probably gave the second round to Izzy, I believe is what they, they, they probably to- did. They totally um, shouldn't I could have, have even seen it. Yeah, I could totally see a scenario where all three judges give him 50-45. And uh, that's just incredible, man. And I, honestly, I just – I love that so much because, you know, you were saying you wanted to see Izzy win. I didn't necessarily – I mean, sorry, I'm sorry. You you wanted to see Izzy lose. Uh, and, you know, I didn't – I don't necessarily dislike Izzy at all. I, I actually really like Israel Adesanya. Um, and uh, – but I do like – I like seeing underdogs win. For sure, you know, especially when they're counted out as much as Sean Strickland was. And like I said, including by myself, you know, I didn't even give him a chance. And I love being proved wrong wrong like that because I was wrong. I was dead ass wrong. I was I was like, man, I really don't see Sean having a chance of this. And he proved me so wrong. And that's that's really inspiring to me, you know. Um, 
And uh, but anyways, you know, going on to your next question, you said about the the title reigns or, or the 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 how many um, title defenses will he have? Uh, you, I I don't really know, but I will say this: that I will not doubt Sean Strickland ever again, ever. Like I I was like I doubted him so much in that fight in the sense of uh, I, like I said I, I gave him no chance, and he proved me so wrong that I will probably always bet on Sean Strickland now of like. Dude, this guy, this guy clearly, um, and you know, have you have you heard the the saying that you know, fighters become thirty percent better overnight when they become a champion, uh, and it's because of your mindset, you that true belief of like, dude, I'm the best. That's kind of what I was alluding to when I was talking about Israel earlier. Of like, they see people get thirty percent better overnight whenever they become a champion, but it's because of what it does to their mind. And I think that's why Izzy is the way he is. The stuff that you dislike is probably because he's brainwashing himself into being a champion, you know? So um, I don't think it gives you an excuse to be uh, an asshole or a shitty person or divert responsibility. Um, Not that I'm necessarily saying that is what Izzy's doing, but just in general. Uh, But I will say I do know how important it is to have uh, the best mindset possible. And if that's what you got to do, I understand, you know? Now I would like to hear your take on on why nobody's so. Be this is where the sport's so difficult to really understand. I look at um, I take I take everything that people are saying into perspective. Like for example, the best example I can do quickly is Zabit Magnamerisharipov. He's not even in the UFC. He's gone. Right? He knocked out Aljamain Sterling in training and with one one shot. Right? So Aljo says he knocked me out yeah. like I didn't even see it coming. I didn't he he didn't even mean to do it. So if that's Zabit's level, then we were robbed of seeing like a championship level fighter, right? <clears throat> Sean trains with Marvin Vittori, and from what he's saying, he beats the <clears throat> shit out of Marvin Vittori all the time, right? Mar- Marvin Marvin fights <laughs> Izzy, and they kind of have a you know, um, it's not a close fight, but it's competitive for twenty five minutes. You know what I mean? That's kind of sad. Izzy should have put him out cold. So next one is Izzy struggles with Jared Cannonier. And if you look at the strikes, Jared actually did. If you rewatch that fight, even though it's very boring, Jared was there neck and neck with him in a couple of the rounds, right? So with that information, what did Sean do to him? Sean actually landed 40 to 50 strikes a round for 25 minutes on Jared and then got robbed, right? Because if you look at the damage, Sean put way more damage on him. That Kelvin Gaslam's coach told them to stop sparring each other because Sean was hurting him too much, right? So there's three opponents that I've just brought up with this additional information. A lot of people lie, and then a lot of people, you need to figure out who's who's trustworthy and who's not. If Israel said some shit like, oh, you know, I beat Drickus in training, you would go, no, you didn't, right? Um, he was talking about their training at Tiger Muay Thai, and he said, yeah, Drickus took me down multiple times, right? He was truthful about it. So when you take all this additional information and you start looking into it, I see Sean now in a situation where leg kickers don't work with him. You can't really box with him. You, He's got really good wrestling and decent jiu-jitsu. It's going to take a really, really good grappler to submit him or it's going to take a cardio machine juggernaut to get him in a war and try and put him out cold with one punch, right? Your two people are Chamayev and Drikas. They're the two archetypes I just brought up. So... Jared can't beat Sean. Whitaker now now Whitaker has a chance, but the problem with Whitaker is that he's been finished now, and he's a little bit older. He's been here for a very long time. He's younger than all of them, by the way. Whitaker's the youngest one out of all. He's younger than uh, Sean and um, and Israel Adesanya. It's just the fact that he's been here for so long, and that longevity sometimes is not the best for you if you're taking a lot of damage. So I think that that fight against Rob. He's going to have a real big problem finding Sean. Like, because if Sean's movement's that good, if you're constantly pushing someone backwards, they're not going to be able to offensively strike with you. The the people that you need to look out for is how you beat Sean is you need to get him down on the ground and submit him in the first or second round because you can't out-cardio him due to the fact that I just said he did 40 to 50 strikes on um, Jared around. Also, by the way, during their ground and pound in the first round against Izzy, when he had him up against the wall, he didn't gas out at all. That was the first round. So so Izzy, I think, was trying to play possum to stop him, you know, like kind of get him to blow his uh, wad or whatever they say. 
and that was not the correct strategy to do. So the people that can beat Sean right now are submission artists, have really good wrestling bases in the first to second round, which is Bo Nickel and Hamza Chamayev. Now, during this time, if they don't get him out of there in the first or second round, Sean will pummel the fuck out of him and, and it will be a TKO finish in the third or fourth, right? Because Chamayev, we even saw in that Gilbert fight in a weight class below. Also, by the way, we'll need some more information on that due to the fact that he's fighting Parlo now in a higher weight. When you have higher weight, you have better cardio, less weight cut, right? So we'll see how that goes. But from what I'm looking at, he beats Hamza, he beats Bo. So the alternative is that you have to run at him uh, with reckless intent and be durable as fuck and have really good cardio. Now that's Drickus, hyper-accurate yeah. fighter, switch stance fighter, very in, very difficult to figure out with a conventional boxing um, stance that that Sean has, that fundamental boxing that he has. Drickus is a hyper-accurate switch stance cardio monster that is very durable. I think Drickus will run at him and try and nail him with a shot, right? And if he puts him out, he'll ground a pound him and finish him. If this is not the case and he can't do that, then as I said, you can't go into the later rounds with Sean. He gets better as the fight goes on because he figures you out better. This was shown in the fifth round with Izzy when at the very end, the final minute, Izzy couldn't land a single punch, kick, nothing, and Sean was screaming at him. And if you look at the final exchange, Izzy throws a shitty leg kick. By the way, Izzy was running for the last two minutes because he realized he was a little bit hurt to the body because of the tapes, and he was running away. I kind of looked at where he was putting his hands, and I thought he might have been hurt to the body. Um, He was running away because he couldn't figure him out. The only strike he threw was that leg kick. Sean caught it, counted his own leg kick. It was not looking good for Izzy. So... You need somebody that's just going to throw caution to the wind and recklessly run at them, and that is Drickus. As I said, if he doesn't if he doesn't successfully land a punch, then Sean will uh, beat him. I think Sean is a very bad matchup for the majority of everyone in the division because he's secretly, and I'm going to add this, secretly well rounded. Yeah, dude. No, I I really agree and and, and love how thorough that breakdown was. Um, something else that I, I like um, for, uh, you know, he, Sean just outstruck the best striker in the division. The best, one of the best, probably the best striker in MMA. And uh, um, so clearly he has very good striking. Um, but also what his, in my opinion, what his, what his Philly shell stance allows him is to always have something in between him as his opponent and his body in order for him to grab. I always try to do this with my arms here because I don't fight in a Philly shell. But if I can keep my elbows really narrow and tight tucked to my body when somebody shoots in, if I have something in between us, it's easier for me to create space and have a frame uh, to act as a wrestling defense. He's here. Uh, and if you look at, man, I don't remember who it was, but people like um, uh, people that fight with their hands low, real low, they, t- it, they have a lot better wrestling defense because you're basically shooting into underhooks. Your arms are already low. So right now, if my hands are high and I throw or anything and I miss and you shoot underneath my arms, you've already defeated two of my my uh, most basic wrestling defenses, head and hands, right? I don't have my arms in play and I don't have my head to get in between us. So now I just have to rely, rely on my hips. And then last case scenario is my is tricks, you know? And uh, so I think with his arms being low, he's going to be able to defend because his defense is so good with this Philly shell. Um that uh, he's able to keep this arm low for to 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 potentially stop the shots from Chimaev, um or any other grappler that he faces, um, and uh, and yeah, I think that Drikus might be the one to beat him if anybody does, just because Drikus is so big and he's so powerful. Um, I do think Drikus has a bad issue with gassing because uh, um, he throws everything he's got into every shot. But like you said, that's gonna it, you're probably not gonna out cardio Sean anyway, so you're gonna have to get him out of there fast. And I think that that might be Drikus. So um, who knows, man? Uh, I would imagine. I, I actually, I don't. I don't know. What do you think about this? Do you think Izzy? Who, who's Sean gonna fight next? Do you think it's Izzy? They give Izzy the rematch. Just quickly to add on that, Drikus's cardio. See the information per fight changes. So I believe Drikus has the second best cardio in the division. If it's Sean and Drikus with cardio, due to the fact that he repaired his nose right? And mm. and when he had his nose broken, he gassed down every fight. And when he didn't have his nose broken, 
he had the most cardio he's ever had and didn't look like gassing at all, finished Whitaker inside a couple minutes, right? Mm. So yeah. that's, very that's true. why, yeah, that's why it's very difficult uh, with, with particular things. There's so much at play to really break it all down completely. When it comes to the next match for Sean, Dana White is all about the money, right? Uh, every businessman's about the money, right? Dana, at the end of the day, this is a business to him. He loves fighting, but it's a business. He wants that rematch immediately. Now, this is the wrong thing to do for Sean, right? This is the this is the extremely wrong thing to do for Sean because when a champion gets dominated by a contender, you should not do the rematch. The champion needs to have a layoff that that fighter needs might need to you know defend the belt. And then you can give the champion the immediate rematch. Give them the six months, eight months off. Do not, do not put Sean in a position where now Sean can have a quick turnaround and you're fucking up his wallet and you're fucking up his legacy, right? Sean needs to find the next three, four months because that's probably what he wants to do because he's very active and he has been active for the last two, three years. And that's why during COVID, he's in the position where he got a title shot because he's just been fighting every single three months against anyone just how he fought um, December, Imavov, and then he fought January, Jared Kananir. You know what I mean? That's a yeah, one-month layoff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so as the champion, I don't think he's scared of anyone, and I think he wants to be busy. He, he doesn't even care that he's the champion. He just wants to fight. So as a fighter, not a champion, he should be able to do that. Now, they want Izzy to get in there because of the money, because they know for a fact that if Izzy loses again, right, I think they know... Because Trevin Jones, you know who that is? Bantamweight, used to be in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. He told me that the Performance Institute, they have everyone's stats, all the fighters' stats, right? So they know everybody's stats, who has the best punches, who is the strongest, fastest. They've seen Drikus' stats, and I think he, they, they shielded him away from Adesanya. And when Adesanya requested, I don't want to fight uh, Drikus, I want to fight Sean, they jumped at that opportunity, even though they don't like Sean. They would much rather keep Izzy as the champion than than go than than have a challenger who they don't like in there. This happened multiple times. They didn't like Aljo. They didn't like T, T Wood. They didn't like Tony Ferguson. They don't like Sean Strickland, right? So they would much rather keep Izzy in the championship opportunity, like as the champion, fighting contenders who they don't really like, than have him fight someone that he'll lose to, right? Drickus is the one that, that he might have lost to. So they they've put they've put Sean now in a position where he has the belt. He will he will most likely have to have a long layoff and give Izzy that opportunity to fight him again, right? Because that's how you that's how you make the most amount of money. Rematches always sell more than the first one. And also, you can't have Izzy have a layoff and then fight a contender and almost lose. And then if he loses to a contender, then he's in a Piotr Jan position where he's a really, really, really popular fighter with a massive social media presence and he's ranked sixth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. not a good look. It's not what the UFC wants. I think if he loses to Sean again, then by that time, I believe Pereira would have knocked out Yuri Prakasha. And I think you should just do uh, Pereira versus Adesanya light heavyweight for the belt. So I think that's the play that they go for. How do you feel about that? Uh, dude, it makes a lot of sense. And I love how thorough your explanation is. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, you're just like off the cuff thinking about this stuff. It's like clearly you put in a lot of time and effort into to, um, uh, extrapolating on these thoughts. But um, yeah, no, man, I agree. I think that, uh, um, yeah, it that, that all made a lot of sense. So. Um, so what, who, who do you think is, is, is so who do you think they're going to give uh trickle next then? I mean, they're going to try to give Izzy right back to him. Correct. And they're going to make Sean do a layoff instead of being active. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now, uh, I thought while I was watching the fight, I thought Izzy was making some good reads and I thought that he was going to start making some adjustments and I really didn't, uh, I the way it was playing out, I didn't see him catching Sean to like uh, to KO him uh, like he needed to win. But I did see him start going to what I thought I saw opening up a lot with Sean. Uh, just so, and I just wanted to throw this in there so you because I I love how analytical you are and and how thorough you are with your your um, uh, breaking down of tape and stuff. So 
Sean was doing a great job of checking the leg kicks this time, right? You know, like you were saying, he was constantly lifting this leg. But I think the only way to land a leg kick on him is so what he was doing is Izzy couldn't find just a straight right hand, uh, like the one two down the pipe, because like you said, he couldn't land anything, any lead hand because of this this uh the backhand parry. Parry and then he had the 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 uh high guard for the, the hook, right? So he couldn't he couldn't land nothing with the lead hand. And then when it came to the rear hand, he was shoulder rolling everything. So he was here and then shoulder rolling. Now, what got Izzy caught in the first round, for one, it was because of the way that Sean stacks his hands. Sean has his hands on top of each other. So when he throws his one-two, it's not one-two out here, elbows flared um, side by side. They're, it's down the pipe. It's one-two. Well, it just comes right behind each other. Like it, it, it's hard to see. He's he's here. He's throwing, and then he's like, "Bing!" It's it's right behind each other. And then when Izzy went to shoulder roll, it actually looked like he went to go check hook it. Yeah, I think he thought he was throwing. Uh, th- he was gonna check hook the jab or something. And uh, what happened though was whenever he went, his head, his jaw came off of his his shoulder. Unlike Sean Strickland, being here, he turned here, and that two caught him, dropped him. Um, but Sean Strickland. He wasn't letting his chin leave his shoulder. He wasn't doing this, leaving that opening. So anyways, what ended up happening was Izzy kept having to try to turn that right hand instead of a straight right hand into something over the top of his shoulder here. So what would happen is Sean would have to lean back, but that now exposes the leg. And I have always said the exact same thing about Israel Adesanya. If people want to hit his leg, they have to get him leaning back because Izzy does it, he does, he does that all the time. Yeah, and not even so much in a Philly shell, he just leans back to avoid punches. He'll long guard and lean back, but it leaves the legs exposed. And then now, if you start hitting the legs, it forces them to be a little bit more upright and forward as opposed to lean back out of the way and then put the, the weight back down on their legs so they can lift it to check or plant and counter. But that's what's going to expose their, their them to being able to get hit now. So anyways... Um, I thought Izzy was going to find success by going open stance. So Izzy going southpaw, Strickland orthodox, and him throwing the one-two from the southpaw. So Sean parrying, being just like Leon Edwards, uh, you know, one-two same side high kick. I thought that was the only way he was going to find a way to hit him was coming around the side of this the the uh, his rear hand because like you said he was doing dude Sean's defense it's his eyes mostly because he's he's a fucking psychopath. And is, is just unafraid of anything. And we'll see everything. And uh, But he does, he was so defensively sound with just this. I couldn't believe it because I don't think the Philly shell is a good idea for, for MMA. And uh, him and, and Chris Curtis, they make it work, man. They're, they're spectacular. Um, but anyways, I thought that uh, Izzy was going to uh, either be able to start finding success with the leg kick. because You know, from uh, getting him to lean back off that shoulder roll and then chop the leg or switch stance in a one, two, same side high kick because Izzy started going to the, to the body and to the leg a little bit uh, with a southpaw left kick. Um, and I thought he was going to be setting it up to bring it upstairs and he did it once or twice, but he didn't set it up great. And Sean saw it right away. So anyways, if you go back and rewatch that fight, let me know what you think about that. Um, We'll have to stay in touch with the uh, the fight breakdowns because I, I like talking to you about this. Breakdown of what you were saying about how to counter that Philly shell. Someone like Adesanya actually had the skills to do it, but he didn't have the knowledge to do it. And that's the difference. It's about the knowledge. Um, Sean. Or or talk- even just, it, it's, it is, and, and sorry to interrupt you, but I think one of the most, the highest level thing to do in all fighting is to adjust game plans and make reads and, and uh, make adjustments mid-fight. That's why Henry Cejudo was so good is because he was able to adjust in the fight. He was seeing when stuff wasn't happening and was able to be so present and so aware and so in control of his emotions and his thoughts that he could he could accurately make reads and make adjustments in fights. You know, And it's because it's very, very difficult, much more than you would think because uh, of the pressure and the nerves and the, the chaos and the madness. It's hard to think thoroughly. You know, it's hard to get like deep into thought. Um, and, and, and analytics and analyzing, you know, during, uh, chaos, you know, so I think that he had the skills and he might, he, I'm sure he did also have the understanding of the knowledge, but also whenever you're factoring fatigue and, uh, nerves, because he's like, holy shit, my game plan is not working. Like that adds a lot of stress to you. That's crazy. You know, you're like, oh my God, everything I thought was going to work is not working. What do I do? You know?
with with that being said, the simplistic part of a game plan is usually the most effective um, solution. You said just then, maybe if you moved him and uh, put him in a position where you can get a leg kick off with setting it up a certain way, maybe that could have worked. Sean set up Izzy with the one-twos by using the teeps, right? And what I was seeing him do was, oh, I'm throwing a jab. No, I'm throwing a teep. That's why I kept on landing so consistently. I'm throwing a teep. No, I'm throwing a two. I'm throwing a one-two. No, I'm throwing a push kick, right? So it's constantly that relationship between the jabs and the push kick tape that was confusing Izzy. And you can say, you can say, oh, well, that's so simple. I don't think that's the case. Look back at who you were talking about before in the interview, which was GSP. GSP only had two takedowns in his career. His takedowns were the setups. There were only two setups that he would go for, and he would feint the first setup and go for the second, and he would feint the second setup and go for the first. And that relationship, he wouldn't get the takedown. Uh, he would attempt four times, and they would figure it out. But each time, it's 50-50. So it's a coin flip that he he will get you down at one point. And I believe that's what Sean did to Izzy with the with the teep and the jab relation. I think he was I think he was constantly making him put put in a position where Izzy was ready to counter the jab but not seeing the tape and then ready to, um, you know, move the tape out of the way and land back with a big shot. But the jab came straight through his head. You know what I mean? So what mm -hmm. do you think about that uh, trickery with like adding just a simple game plan, really finding something that someone's not good at and really just spamming it? Yeah, I think, uh, um, you know, uh, the head coach of the gym I train at Kilcliffe FC, you know, Henry Hooft, he's uh uh, I did not know game. that you were Killcliff, dude. I had no clue that you're Killcliff. His his um you know his philosophy is uh, K I S S. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, so ninety nine percent of the time, man, the fundamentals are what wins. And uh, even when it comes to the game plans, you know, it's like you don't. It's sometimes you don't need uh, super in depth, crazy um, game plan because it's easy for because a lot of times whatever those that happens whenever you get something that's uh, not so simple. It's a lot more complicated. There's a lot more steps. And if one of those steps fails, it'll throw off the whole equation. So it's really easy to have a lot of, um, uh, it's, it's easy to find uh, that game plan getting messed up just because one, you know, one step gets, it gets thrown off. So anyways, the simplicity is very, very uh, successful a lot of times. And um, uh, what I think what, and it, what you were kind of alluding to, uh, or at least what I picked up from that with, uh, with the, the, just the jabs, the one twos and the teep kicks, um, everything, what Sean was doing, everything looked the same, but finished different. It started the same, but it finished different. So Izzy didn't know what was going on because it all looked the same, but then he would hit him with something else. You know, as he throwing the jab, because what he was doing, he was, he, he would, he keeps this lead arm going and then, but he, he stands so upright that he can just lift this lead leg really easily. So he would, as Izzy would go to come in, he would front kick him, whatever. Uh, and that's why, uh, he was, uh, finding success to the body and probably hurt Izzy to the body in the fifth round, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he just kept it really simple where he didn't have a, a huge plethora of different, uh, a different variety of all kinds of different attacks, but you never knew which one was coming. Because they all started the same but finished different. So uh, that simplicity is beautiful, man. There's uh, there's so much beauty in just keeping it simple in uh, all things. You know, it's like it, it's um, it, it's about it's about finding the simplest way to win. You know, and uh, as you know, not overcomplicating things. Definitely. My next question for you is a little bit on a different topic. Um, where do you go hiking? How often do you go hiking? Uh, dude, I really don't ever go hiking. Um, I, I don't do that much. I don't, I don't do that much outside of training. Um, just because, uh, especially right now, um, being back home, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I live so far away from everywhere I train that I have a lot of extra drive time. So, um, I'm driving, you know, two, two and a half hours every day, pretty much, uh, just for, you know, my commute for training and everything. So I don't have a whole lot of extra free time, but, um, man, I do love, I love getting to be outdoors and be, you know, connected with, with, uh, uh, with nature and what, what God's given us. So, um, whenever I'm in Florida, I love getting to the beach as much as I can. Uh, haven't been doing that as of recently being in Missouri. I'm freaking was white as sour cream, but, uh, um, 
you know, I, I do. That's actually, I was just having this conversation with me being back home, man. Something I love about switching up from, from being in Florida and being back here in Missouri is just all the, 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 the woods, man. There's so much beautiful greenery, all the trees. And uh, I'm definitely going to get out. You know, me, one of me and my buddies were just talking about going hiking uh, later next week. So, so uh, let me get back to you on that. I'll, uh, I'll let you know where we go hiking. I'll send you some video of the pictures and stuff. What's funny is that I said to you, oh, like, oh, I didn't know that you're training Killcliffe on my next question, right? Because I, I interviewed so many fighters, I can't remember everything. My next question is, who gave you the best rounds at Killcliffe? So it was going to come up at one point. So can you answer that for us? Yeah, who gives me the best round of the kill? Dude, that's that's what makes that place so amazing is uh, clearly, you know, the incredibly high-level coaching. Um, Henry Hoof, Greg Jones um uh jason strout uh nick lynch sean soriano um uh coach saeed all all of our coaches are, are world-class top-notch uh but the training partners are world-class top-notch you know so it's a room full of nothing but absolute killers and savages um i gotta give a shout out to my boy christos yagos uh he's always that dude's got one of the strongest minds of anybody i've ever met and um uh he's actually fighting here soon the 16th i believe and uh, uh he's, he always is, he's ufc right yeah, yeah, yeah. Christos is, is, is he a Greek? Is he a Greek guy? Yep. Yeah, I'm Greek too. I'm Greek too. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. You, do you know my boy Tuco? Um, no. Who's that? Uh, George Tokus. Tukas. Uh, so he he fought on a road to the UFC. Um, I say, but uh, so he's not technically in the UFC or anything yet. But um, hopefully, hopefully here soon. But Tuco, Tuco's a, a big name from from our gym down here. Everybody loves Tuco. He's just the coolest dude ever, man. He's he's like a brother to me. And uh, but he he's Greek too. And actually, he's been he, Tuco has cornered me uh, for quite a few of my fights. Uh, Christos and Tuco, uh, Christos and Tuco were in my corner my last fight. Um, but they're both Greek. Yeah, no, love that, love that. Um... I might need to get in contact with uh, Christos for the for the next uh, for my next interview. Definitely, yeah, hit him up, bro. He's super cool and he's always uh, dude, he's just such a good dude, man. Uh, but Christos is always one of my toughest rounds, um, uh, bro. Everybody, everybody there is so tough, um, man. Who else do I get to go? Logan Storley. Uh, I don't know if you know. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll interview him. Logan Storley, bro. He is one of the gnarliest wrestlers I've ever gone with. He will take you down and absolutely make you hate your life on the ground. Um, uh, dude, I mean, I honestly, I just, there's so many guys I can't even think, you know, I could, I could go on all day about just how many guys, you know. My next question for you is what nationality are you? What's your ethnicity? Uh, dude, you know what? Um, I think my, uh, my mom's mom came here, uh, was, was, uh, German, um, so, dude, honestly, I suck, I don't really know, um, German, and, um, uh, dude, I don't even know, I always, uh, dude, I'm just American, that's what, uh, born and raised, you know, I, I, uh, my, my family's been here for, for a while, but I think, I, I only know, man, I don't know where my dad, my dad's side of the family's from. Evan, what was your hardest fight in your whole career? It could be a fight outside the UFC. It could be a fight that you won that was extremely difficult. It could be a fight that you lost. What would you say it is? Uh, dude, definitely my UFC debut against Preston Parsons. Um, I took that fight short notice up a weight class, which to me doesn't mean anything. It's just excuses. I was ready for that fight. And uh, um, to be completely transparent and 100% honest, uh, as I like to, to always be, um, is, uh, dude, my, I let my nerves smash me. My, my nerves obliterated me for that fight. And, um, uh, I was exhausted from the get go. I fought like shit and, and you could tell, you know, I, I thought, uh, I felt like my, I didn't get the chance to show much of my technique. Uh, I did end up saving the performance by fighting with a lot of heart. Um, but that was to, to the date, my toughest fight, man. I was absolutely exhausted when the fight started. So I felt like I was on E and had to find a way. I had to find a will to just continue to fight, you know? So, um, that was probably my toughest fight to date. What was the worst injury you've ever suffered in MMA? Mm. So I broke my jaw one time. Uh, somebody got thrown into me during wrestling practice. Somebody got hip tossed and their heel hit me in the face from uh from another group and uh broke my jaw down the middle um 
that was probably the worst. That was probably the worst. I've, I've, uh, I've, uh, blown out my ankle, um, had shoulder surgery, um, dislocated ribs, um, uh, collarbones, I subluxed my collarbones, um, all kinds of stuff. But my jaw was probably the worst. What are your goals for the next two years in MMA? And who do you see in the top 15 that you could probably beat right now? Hmm. Uh, my goal for the next two years, honestly, man, I mean, it is, is probably dumb and as cliche as it is, man. I, I have no, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to get better day by day. And uh, as long as I'm in the gym, getting better each and every day. Um, that's all that matters to me. I don't know about the fights. I can't, I can't foretell um, you know, if there's, if I'm going to have injuries, if I'm going to be out, whatever, but all I'm focused on is, is taking it day by day, week by week and trying to progress as much as possible. And as long as I do that, I don't see why in, uh, several years, you know, especially once I reach my thirties, um, you know, I'm 26 right now. Once I get to, to 30 and start reaching my athletic prime, um, I think that I should have developed the skills to be able to, to be in the top 15 and to, to, uh, to be making a championship run, you know? So, um, uh, as, as in beating the top 15 right now, honestly, dude, I, I, you know, as, as dumb as it is, I probably should, you know, be like, fuck everybody. I can, I can beat everybody. I'm the best in the world. But honestly, I don't, I don't think like that in the sense of like, uh, um, I, I got, I got freaking dues to pay, man. I got, I'm, I'm only 26. I'm young in this game. Um, I've only had three fights in the UFC. I got a lot of work to put in before I start, you know, claiming to be able to beat, you know, dudes in the top 15 that are, that have, that have earned their way to be there and, and, and deserve that, uh, that ranking next to their name. You know, I think that no doubt in the world, I think as long as I continue to do my, try my best to be my best, that, that my best will and can be the best. Um, so I, I do see myself as a, uh, um, a top top 15 and a, a title contender and a champion one day. Uh, but as of right now, man, I got dues to pay and uh, I'm just worried, worried about, you know, how I can be better today and, and, and the next day. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Evan, for coming on the podcast. Is there any final remarks you want to say to the fans at home as we wrap up the show? Uh, first off, thank you for having me on, man. Great talk. Uh, I can't wait to be back. Love talking fights with you. Super analytical mind. Um, but, uh, man, as far as all my friends, my fans, my family, my supporters, uh, all of you guys, man, I say this all the time and uh, I hope it doesn't sound disingenuous just because I say it so much, but I, I truly mean it from the bottom of my heart that God has truly blessed me with so much more than I even deserve, man. And, uh, the people in my life are by far my greatest blessing, you know? So, uh, to each and every single one of you, um, that has been in my life in, in any, uh, in, in any amount, you know, great or big, um, thank you all, man. Seriously. I, I mean, this from the bottom of my heart. I love you guys. And uh, what I do is much, much bigger than me. And when I win, we all win, dude. So um, I love you guys and I can't wait to make you proud. Follow Evan on Instagram, link in the description and follow Anything Combat on Spotify. See you guys next time. Bye-bye.